Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first quarter 2021 results conference call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Denis Rock, President and CEO. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning, everyone, and welcome to our first quarter uh, conference call for fiscal 2021. As well on the call is Ian Ross, our CFO. You should have uh, seen our results, uh, which came out uh, last night. If not, you can go to our website at majordrilling.com. Before we get started, I'd like to caution you, as usual, that during this conference call, we'll be making forward-looking statements about future events or future financial performance of the company. These statements are forward-looking in nature, and actual events or results may differ materially. First of all, I, I want to start by acknowledging our, our employees and management for their effort to ensure we continue to operate safely and efficiently during these uncertain times. I also want to thank our, our customers with whom we have worked closely to find ways to operate and get back to work with the health and well-being of our employees and their families as uh, our top uh, priority. I must say that I'm pleased that the company was able to generate $14 million in EBITDA given the quarter started extremely slow as uh, many projects remain shut down. Some of our operations were able to grow their revenue as compared to last year, while other uh, larger operations, including Canada, U.S., Mexico, and Chile, were affected more than others by COVID-19. As the quarter progressed, we saw more and more projects uh, resuming, uh, but many of them would have reduced number of rates due to restrictions on uh, travel and mining activities. As we look at busier times coming up, we continue to be the leader in specialized drilling, but we also bolstered our underground services by adding 12 underground rigs this quarter, with half of those going to work immediately. Through this, we continue to maintain the strongest balance sheet in the industry. Ian will take us through uh, our quarterly results, and I'll come back to discuss the outlook. Thanks, Denis. Total revenue for the quarter was $89.4 million, down 24% from revenue of $117.5 million recorded in the same quarter last year. While COVID-19 impacts were felt heavily in May and the first part of June, activity levels started to ramp up in the latter half of the quarter. The foreign exchange translation impact on revenue when comparing to the effective rates for the same period last year is negligible with a minimal impact on net earnings. The overall gross margin percentage, excluding depreciation for the quarter, was 27.8% compared to 26.1% for the same period last year. Margins were positively impacted by approximately 1% due to government assistance programs available to the company in the hardest hit regions. Also, the moderate price improvements we saw coming into calendar 2020 have aided margins and should continue into Q2. G&A costs were down 1 million and 11.2 million when compared to the same quarter last year. The decrease is mainly related to reduced travel and various government assistance programs for our administrative employees. 
These temporary reductions will subside once activity levels return in those impacted regions and government restrictions are eased. The income tax provision for the quarter was an expense of $1.2 million compared to an expense of $2 million for the prior year period. The income tax provision was impacted by non-deductible expenses and losses in certain jurisdictions not being tax affected. Net earnings were $2.1 million or $0.03 cents per share for the quarter compared to net earnings of $6 million or $0.08 cents per share for the prior year quarter. EBITDA was $14 million compared to $18 million in the prior year quarter. Although activity levels remain impacted in certain jurisdictions, our ongoing operations in other areas performed very well and cost control initiatives implemented in the prior quarter allowed for a positive EBITDA result. In terms of our financial strength, despite the continued impacts of COVID-19 on the quarter, we maintain a very strong balance sheet. We ended the quarter with net debt, excluding lease liabilities of $2 million. The decrease is tied to an increase of net working capital mainly related to an increase in receivables as activity levels picked up in the second half of the quarter. Also during the quarter, we repaid $20 million of the $35 million precautionary draw from our credit facilities made in the previous quarter. We will continue to monitor the situation and look to repay the remaining $15 million precautionary draw as the environment permits. As mentioned above, the increase in our accounts receivable was due to increased activity levels in the second half of the quarter. We have not had any collection issues related to COVID-19 and we do not expect any issues moving forward as our current customer mix is predominantly seniors and well-established intermediates. The company also spent $7.5 million on capital expenditures, adding a total of 13 drills, with 12 of them being underground drills in line with our diversification strategy. We took advantage of an opportunity to buy 10 rigs at a discount price and we were able to put a number of them to work immediately. We dispose of seven rigs in line with our strategy of continuously improving the quality of our fleet. The total rig count is 613. As activity levels pick up, our CapEx will mainly be focused on support equipment in the coming quarters. The new breakdown of our fleet and utilization is as follows. 308 specialized drills, 30% utilization, 129 conventional drills, 30% utilization, and 176 underground drills at 48% utilization. As we've mentioned before, specialized work, in our definition, is not necessarily conducted with a specialized drill. Therefore, we should also give you the breakdown of our revenue by type of work for the quarter. 57% specialized, 10% conventional, and 33% underground. Also, seniors and intermediates represented 89% of our revenue in Q1, while juniors were 11% of our revenue. Our established relationships with seniors and intermediates continue to drive our revenue, However, the recent increase in junior financings could potentially change this mix going forward. In terms of commodities, gold projects represented 63% of our revenue, while copper was at 22% this quarter. With that overview on our financial situation, I'll now turn the presentation back to me to discuss the outlook. Thanks, Ian. As we look forward, the price of gold, which accounted for 63% of our uh, activity this quarter, has increased to new historic highs. So in light of these existing conditions, we're seeing uh, senior and intermediate gold miners generating strong free cash flows at a time where they face declining reserves as a result of the low exploration spending they had over the last few years. As well, over the last two, three months, we've seen a significant increase in mining financing, particularly for junior mining companies. It's important to note though, that there is always a lag of four to six months between the closing of financings and the start of drilling programs. So we're just starting discussions with many of them at the moment. Regarding copper, 
which typically accounts for 20 to 25 percent of our drilling activity, many industry experts expect that copper will face a deficit position in the next few years due to the continued production and high grading of mines combined with the lack of exploration work conducted to replace reserves and the increase uh, and that increases the need for more in, uh, exploration. New infrastructure plans announced in China, India, Europe and soon to be announced in the US will require more copper and other metals which should accelerate the depletion of those reserves. With these signs pointing towards an increase in exploration spending, we are preparing for an increase in activity later in the, in the fall and well into 2021 calendar year and beyond. However, in the short term, operations will continue to be somewhat affected by COVID-19 restrictions, which will slow down the ramp up of drilling programs. Also, with the increased demand we are facing in North America, we are already starting to face a shortage of skilled labor and we expect labor costs to increase. This will in turn, have to, in turn have to be reflected in drilling prices, which are expected to increase as we go into 2021. In conclusion, we continue to be very well positioned at this point in time as the leader in specialized drilling. Our strong financial position in the industry gives us the ability to respond to meet our customers' demand in terms of rigs, rod handling, mobile equipment, and technology, which is key to our success to remain the leader in specialized drilling. Also, having the financial resources and the best equipment allows us to attract the best people at a time where the industry is heading towards a labor crunch. That concludes our formal remarks. And uh, we'll now open the call to questions. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Eric Svergold of Firestorm Capital. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, good morning and good work during a very difficult period. Um, could you talk a little bit to Major Drilling's efforts in some of the battery-oriented uh, metals, such um, as they may be outside of the copper market, whether it be uh, cobalt or other metals outside of copper that are used in batteries for electronic vehicles and so on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we've done a, a lot of work for lithium over the last uh, few years. And uh, lately we've had uh, a few, uh, a few companies um, call about uh, lithium programs. So we're, we're seeing work coming from there. Uh, we do a little bit of um, a little bit of cobalt, uh, but I mean that is very uh, very. There's not necessarily a lot of drilling globally conducted for for cobalt. Uh, 
and, and then you need to include nickel in there, and there's been uh, an increase in inquiries for nickel programs as well. Uh, so all of that together, and I always come back to uh, people focus on, on batteries and lithium and everything, but uh, I always come back to uh, a, a, an electric vehicle, whether it's, it's buses, which uh, countries are looking to increase the, 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 the load, or, um, or you're talking about cars, there's three and a half more times copper in there than there's in a, in a regular vehicle. And, and there's a lot, the, the whole electrification of the systems, there's going to be a lot more copper. Uh, I mean, again, the battery is, uh, is, uh, is, is a big aspect, but copper in terms of bringing electricity and also conducting electricity throughout the vehicle is... Uh, is the biggest piece of that. So, uh, so out of that, I think uh, copper, lithium, nickel, those are going to be the, the, the drivers from that perspective. Thank you. That's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. The following question is from Daryl Young of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I was just wondering if uh, you could maybe give us a bit of a uh, an outlook or, or maybe what the pipeline of discussions looks like in terms of the workload. And I guess what I'm trying to vet out is um, what would activity levels look like if it weren't for COVID and, and how big is the um, market opportunity at this point as we, as we ramp up in the drilling cycle? Yeah. I mean, there, there's lots of discussions, as, we, as you can imagine, with the amount of financing that has been done over the last, uh, you know, three months. There's lots of discussions happening in the, uh, right now, and um, but some of that will be. There, it's more of a timing issue than a, than an activity level, um, because some of these programs take longer to, to, to plan, not even just get started, just to plan uh, around you need a bigger can uh, because right now uh, usually you'd have people sharing rooms or, or even your kitchen area was you know, limited and could get crowded, but you go with what you have, whereas now you need a much bigger kitchen area and, and, and all, all those things which um, uh, delays uh, the ramp up, but uh, there's no question that uh, mining companies want to do more. Um, so it's it's more of a more of a timing uh, than the volume because the the discussions are are certainly there, uh, both with seniors and with um, uh, with junior companies. Okay, so so would it be fair to say then at this point you've had the conversations where a company says you know we're looking to do X number of meters, uh, we just don't know how to get there at this point given these restrictions. Uh, I wouldn't say it's we don't know how to get there. It's just uh, it's it, it's just something that would have been been ramping up in August or September will be ramping up in October. That's kind of what more what, what I'm, I'm pointing towards. It's, it's, uh, and something that would have ramped up right away to, you know, to four rigs will be starting with two, and then they'll add one and add another one. Uh, 
but for example, if they, in their mind, they still want to do a 20,000 meter uh, campaign, they're still going to do 20,000 meters once they get going. It's just that it, it's the, the, the ramp up, it's the ramp up that you need to, uh, that is basically staggered and, um, and also, also compared to, I guess there's uh, also the, the permitting um, and, and all the things take a bit longer than before as well uh, because you need to have all these protocols approved and everything. Uh, so all, all these things uh, take a bit longer than, than the previous uh, up cycle. Gotcha. Okay. And then uh, it was encouraging to, to hear that the pricing is improving. Uh, it sounds like that may be offset by, by labor headwinds. Could you maybe just talk to the, the dynamic there in terms of price improvements versus cost expectations inflation? Yeah. I mean, there's no question that, uh, that uh, labor costs is, is going up. Uh, we've, we've said before that already it, it was, there, there's a lot of people that left the industry, so uh, going forward, uh, experience uh, labor crews, there's, uh, there's less than there was uh, at the last peak, and so we're starting already with, uh, uh, with, with a low base. Now, we're doing a lot of training, and we're ramping up our training, and also we've done uh, with uh, innovation, uh, we've been able to reduce training times, but uh, still, the, the, when you talk about experience labor, so labor cost is going to go up, and uh, but pricing is going up as well. Uh, we're at a point in in in, um, in certain regions where uh, we're getting to. Uh, high utilization, and uh, when you know the higher you get, it's it's basically uh, that the pricing uh, gets adjusted uh, uh, accordingly, uh, because the next rig you put out, it's going to be with greener crews, which means uh, you're not necessarily going to get as as meter as many meters per shift, which then impacts. Uh, but we still need to generate the, the, a good amount of, of revenue per shift or, or revenue per rig. So therefore, pricing is, is, uh, is going to be going up. Now, the one thing uh, to mention is that, is that North America is getting busy, but uh, some other places are still facing some heavy COVID restrictions, uh, places like Chile, Argentina, Mexico, so it's going to be slower in those regions. So it's just, it's in terms of uh, labor costs, I, it, you're seeing that in um, in North America for us, but uh, it's not the same necessarily uh, globally. Got it. Okay, that's uh, those are all the questions for me. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. The following question is from Ryan Hanley of Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, Dinenia. Morning. Hi. 
I think you kind of touched on the uh, the ramp up in in revenue. I'm guessing that you know May was a bit uh, challenging, especially in places like Mexico that were shut down, and maybe a bit better in June and July, and continuing it uh, at that kind of pace. But uh, are there any regions that uh, you know have been a bit uh, COVID challenged still, where, where you expect that ramp up you know might run into some more challenges, where countries maybe go a little bit backwards and start putting uh, more restrictions back in? Uh, that, that's, I'll tell you, that's, that's what makes this uh, uh, difficult to predict. And uh, I mean, uh, every company in every industry is facing the same challenges in terms of you, you need to stay flexible in terms of your approach. But yes, I mean, we, you could see that uh, happening. Now, at the same time, mining companies and ourselves have gotten better in terms of all the protocols and your, you know, so I, I think um, in a lot of cases you might have restrictions, but the restrictions will apply uh, as long as you're able to follow certain rules. You'll be able to operate, and we've been able to put those uh, we've been able to put those rules in place. Uh, so yeah, no, it it could, uh, but at the moment uh, things are starting to fall into place. Uh, and I mean, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes, but it's certainly a fluid situation. Okay, fair enough. And then maybe just uh, going to the uh, the comments earlier about adding uh, about 12 underground rigs. Uh, was that the rationale behind that? Is it just uh, you happen to to find some that at a very good price in an area where you're running a I guess maybe at a high utilization rate that could easily be be thrown on a job, and you can use the other you know six elsewhere in the near term? Is that kind of the, the reasoning there? Exactly. That's uh, we we basically it, it, that's exactly it. We it was a, a region where uh, we were getting uh, demand, and at the same time we saw we got a, an opportunity to get our hands on uh, on uh, good quality rigs, uh, and 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 that's what we did. And uh, those uh, half of those went to work immediately, and we're already. Uh, sourcing work and having discussions for uh, for a few more uh, of those. Okay, perfect. And then maybe just one last uh, super exciting uh, modeling question for you. Uh, for uh, fiscal 2021, is kind of like that 20 to, to $30 million in, in CapEx range, is that still a, a reasonable estimate? I'm guessing that's also for largely, you know, support equipment like you mentioned before? Yeah, I, I think it's more, we've, every year over the last, Three years. I think we've we've said uh, you know more like uh, 30, and I think it's it's more. Uh, the thing is, is that every rig that goes out, uh, additional rig, needs pickup trucks and needs compressors and needs stuff. So uh, so if if volume goes up, there's going to be a requirement to equip those rigs with uh, with support equipment. So going to be heavy on support equipment uh, for uh, initially so yeah it'd be more it'll be more towards the, the, the 30 million okay perfect thanks very much guys that's uh, that's it for me okay thank you thank you the following question is from Sebastian van Berkham of van Berkham Associates please go ahead uh, good morning Dennis uh, I want to understand where we are in this cycle that has just commenced. Uh, could you give us an idea of what is your current utilization rate and uh, on how many ships per day 
and, and given the environment, what is your best guesstimate in terms of how utilization rate progresses over the next several years? And do we have the same kind of peak earnings potential as last, last cycle? Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, utilization this quarter was low and our, our revenue was low. And again, it, it was heavily impacted by COVID, but we were at 35% utilization. Um, the one thing I'll remind um, you, though, is, is um, peak utilization for us is 75%. The way we count utilization is, uh, is a rig that earns uh, enough, uh, enough money in a quarter uh, is counted, and if not, then it's not counted. And we always have rigs that, for example, are in the Arctic. They are, we leave them there. They only, they only end up working five, six months of the year. So the other six months, they're unutilized, but they still make good money when they work. So, uh, so for us, it's still uh, good to have rigs there. And also you have rigs that move all the time and rigs that are in the shop. So maximum utilization for us is 75. So you need to kind of use our number on a, on a 75% factor. Um, so going forward, uh, I mean, sure, if the demand that we're seeing comes to, comes to fruition in, in 2021, the utilization rates are going to go up. Uh, can we get back to where we were before? Uh, I think so. The, uh, I mean, it's a question of time, but, um, but the, what we're seeing now is a combination of the two, I would say the two peaks that we saw in the last uh, 12 years or, or 10 years. Um, we had the, the cycle from 2003 to 2008, which was driven by the lack of reserves uh, coming from uh, a lack of exploration from 1998 to 2003. And then all the mining companies ran out of reserves and they all rush to replenish. And when they do that, it's a, it's a five year, five, six, seven year cycle, which is what happened, then we hit the financial crisis, so there was an interruption of a year and a half, and then things picked back up and kept going. And what we saw after the financial crisis and it is an, another phenomenon that is at play at this point is you had, in, to kickstart the, the economy, governments went in with infrastructure plans that, um, that basically required a lot of copper and gold price, because of the uncertainty, gold price went uh, to record highs at that time. And so the combination of those two drove uh, our, our, our activity levels to record highs in 2012. This time around, we've got the lack of reserve combined with, well, the COVID impact, which basically brings uncertainty and governments looking to kickstart their economies with, uh, with infrastructure programs. So, so it, it certainly looks like uh, the stars are aligned for our industry to have uh, a few years of, of uh, very good activity. We, we still have the election, uh, the U.S. election coming in November, but uh, there is still a, a lot of, of a lot of those factors are still going to remain in place even after that election. Well, so really, we're looking.
looking for a pretty good cycle again this time around. Well, it certainly looks like that uh, in terms of when you, you look at all the factors that are at play. What is the principal thing that you worry about most uh, as we enter this cycle? Um, well, I mean, the, the COVID, uh, again, like I said, makes things hard to manage because it's, uh, it's almost like a daily, you just never know what's around the corner. So that one uh, makes it a bit uh, harder to manage. But uh, the, the labor as well, uh, when you talk about can we get to that, um, to that peak again, uh, labor is going to be a big factor because uh, there's less people in the industry than there was when we were um, in the last upcycle. Uh, and uh, so we're going to have to train. And like I said, we're, we're working hard. We've got lots of training classes ongoing. Uh, but it's uh, labor uh, is is going to be the, the the biggest factor for sure. Uh, one final question, Denny. How about um, your major competitor? Is uh, he uh, weaker than last time? Do you think you can gain more market share because of his weakness? What do you think? Uh, I, I I don't like to talk about about competitors, um, but I think. Uh, the way it looks, I, I, I think it's, it's uh, all boats are going to go up. The tide is going up, so there's going to be lots of uh, lots of opportunities uh, from the looks of it. And um, but I mean, there's no question that we have a very strong position. We're we're the leader in, in specialized drilling, and that's uh, when there's a difficult project, we're, we're typically uh, the go-to for, for mining companies, and, uh, and our financial situations allow, allows us to be able to, to ramp up rigs in the field and, um, and, and again, attract, uh, attract the, the best, uh, best labor. Yeah. Thank you very much, Denny. Thank you. Thank you. The following question is from James Vale of Arcadia Advisors. Please go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, uh, Denny, what's the, the status of the, um, the rigs that are not being used? Can they be put into service immediately, or is there some type of um, refurbishment that has to go, uh, assuming some of these rigs have been idle for a while? Is, is that included in the $30 million potential capital spending, um, you know what I mean? Is, is the whole yep. fleet ready to go at a moment's notice, or is there some type of, of um, preparation needed to be done to get them ready for service? Oh, very, very good question. And uh, basically the approach we've taken all the way through is uh, we, always, we always tell our branches to have uh, at least uh, uh, rigs on, ready to go to take on a 30% uh, increase in activity. So, so we do have a good fleet um, that's ready to go. Now, having said that, it means that not all the rigs are all ready, and that's basically, had we done that, we would have drained a lot of cash up front. Sure. So, so our approach is, as a rig goes in the field, we take one rig and bring it in the shop, and uh, and we refurbish it and put them on shelf, and that's going to be 
uh, that's going to be how we're going to operate. So therefore, to your point, uh, yes, part of the 30 million is going to be uh, some refurbishment for rigs as we go deeper in the cycle. We're going to have to, again, we're, we will bring rig. Some of those costs, depending on, on how much we need to spend, some of those costs flow through the margin and some of those costs are going to, uh, if it's more significant where you need a, a brand new motor and need to, to add significant items, then it, it'll make it to the CapEx. So. Okay, and, and is there any new technology on the horizon that's going to change the way drilling is done, or is it still pretty much the same way? Uh, it's still pretty much the same way. The technology that uh, we're bringing is going to help uh, on a couple of fronts. Uh, first of all, on the training. By, by having more computer consoles that uh, transmit information to the drillers, it allows us to reduce the training time and uh, uh, in, in basically help new drillers uh, ramp up quicker. Uh, but also there's uh, data that is um, retrieved from, uh, from our, our, our drilling um, through those computers that we're able to share with our customers and, uh, and it'll help them uh, refine their their programs as they go forward and, and, and probably uh, make better decisions in terms of just what's next. So I think those okay. those two are going to be, but it's it's still the drilling part of it is still going to be uh, done the same way as it's done before. It's more the, the information gathering that uh, basically we're getting much better at. Great. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. The following question is from Ahmad Shat of Beacon Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, uh, guys. Congrats on a, on a solid quarter. A couple of questions for me. Uh, first, on, on gross margins, uh, I mean, even if we adjust them for the government assistance uh, that you guys got, uh, they look strong despite the decline of, uh, of revenue. Maybe any, any color on that? In light of what you guys mentioned on the slower ramp ups and uh, and the increased training costs, how should we think about gross margins uh, if revenue uh, if revenue uh, picks up? Yeah, well, we entered the year and uh, pricing has improved as we entered the year in in, uh, in January. So what we saw this quarter is some of that pricing uh, coming through because. We we didn't get to see that in uh, in our fourth quarter because we got hit with COVID and there was a lot of costs and that mixed into there. Whereas this quarter, uh, it was probably a pure uh, quarter in terms of just uh, uh, all the costs. So so some of that is pricing. Some of that is is cost. We've um, through through this we've. Uh, we, we've uh, realized some efficiencies, and uh, which has improved their our costs. So, uh, so it's going to be a bit a bit of both going forward. As I mentioned, uh, drilling prices are are going up in the market, uh, but costs are going up as well. And uh, and 
so but I, I think uh, we'll we'll see some gradual margin improvement as uh, as as the cycle progresses. That's great. And maybe on um, on the acquisition of the rigs that you you guys um, uh, spoke about, maybe a little bit more color on that. Was it uh, sort of an opportunistic acquisition of rig fleet? Is it? Can we take away that some some of your smaller or regional players are struggling after COVID, and that represented opportunity for you guys? Uh, maybe a little bit more uh, more details on 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 that front and the competitive landscape uh, landscape following uh, following COVID. Yeah, um, it it was a, an opportunistic. Uh, th those rigs became available, and uh, I, I, I won't elaborate the reasons why they they became available, but it it was um, it, it it was a, a company that wanted to uh, leave that uh, side of the business and uh, so we, we picked up um, some good assets on, on, on there and so and these are that's uh, uh, typical usually to uh, to uh, these cycles when you, you come off the bottom there, there's uh, opportunities like that that come up and, and the fact that we have a strong balance sheet allows us to to um, take advantage of, of those opportunities. Uh, yep, that, uh, that's great. Thanks for, uh, for taking my questions. Uh, I'll jump back at the queue. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And there are no further questions registered at this time. I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. LaRock. Thank you. And uh, just as a reminder, it's our uh, it's our annual um, our AGM, and that basically just give me a second here. I'm just gathering my notes. Uh, our AGM that will be held virtually on um, uh, tomorrow at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, and it can be accessed. If you go to our press release, there's a link uh, where you'll find uh, the access, uh, how to access our, our AGM. Thank you, and uh, we'll be talking uh, next quarter. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time. We thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.